welcome to this episode of Talking Grassroots. I'm your host, Ricky Ettridge, and joining me is my co-host, Ricky Logan. Welcome, mate. How's your week been? Uh, I don't want to talk about it, thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, tough week last week. Well, if you're, if you're a fan of NFL, it's been a tough week for some teams, and one of them, you know, was supposed to win the Super Bowl, was supposed to, you know, do all this and that, and first week exit against the seven seeds. So, yeah, don't really want to talk about it. don't think you were them boys <laughs> this year, mate. Well, better than me is uh, last night. Uh, so we recorded this on Saturday the uh, 20th. So last, yesterday afternoon, Melbourne Victory, my team that I'm a member of and support passionately, we're playing and one nil up in the 95th minute and it, uh, gave away an equaliser. So that uh, sort of ruined my weekend already but no nah. and, and got a bit in a bit of trouble did you <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i sort of got, uh, got put in the bad books with uh the use of language i used when it happened and then told kelly that don't you talk to me don't you don't tell me not to say that um so bear well, well i'm gonna say that the neighbors have mentioned to my missus a couple of times like oh why does your partner yell so much and uh, i said it's only when carlton and, and the cowboys are playing that's the only time you hear me yell but no, nah, that's unfortunate. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you couldn't join us at the pub last Sunday for a fair, well, you know, drink, but a few beers and watching what ended up being a pretty uh, boring playoff game. But speaking of the NFL playoffs, it got me thinking. So the uh, the Bills Steelers game was postponed due to weather in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Miami game was, was like below, a negative thirty one or something along those lines. So about about negative five degrees. Nah, I think it was worse than that. Nah, well, like Celsius, oh, negative okay. five Celsius, something like that. So it got me thinking, wh- what's the worst weather you've ever played? And obviously we don't get that type of conditions down here, but you've got to have played in some absolutely shocking weather in your time playing sport. Yeah, well, I, I played in the grand final just around a corner here at Casey Fields and it was monsoonal weather. Um, it was the worst rain seen in a long time it was windy it was absolutely bucket bucketing down of rain and my it felt like i was ankle deep in water the whole game like i i got a free kick in the last quarter and barely could get my foot out of the ground to kick the ball um and we lost the game on a toe poke goal in in the dying you know five minutes of the game to put them in front by a point or two points, I think Jeez. it was, that put them in front. I think there was four goals kicked for the whole game, and I think two of those were kicked in the first quarter. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this, I was trying to actually wreck my brain. I remember, like, once back in, like, under 10s or something like that, we played in absolute shocking weather, got caught up at halftime, but you're 10 years old, so it might not have been that bad. But it was actually, the worst one I can remember vividly was probably a couple of years ago, I think it was a, the 2020, 2021 season at our home ground against Dingley on a Friday night. And it was just blowing into one of the pockets. It was raining sideways and it was just, it was cold. <laughs> it was shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll get stuck into it. So we're actually going to start off with something a little bit outside of our local footy talk. And a bloke that we know that we've met through uh, a previous podcast we've done, Jake Nor- Norris and... Him and his mate are actually, you know, he's based out in Vietnam and he's actually um, on a decent decent trek around Vietnam. And I'll, you know, you've got all the details for us, mate. So fill us in what Jake is doing. Yeah, well, first of all, get everyone to go over and check out Vietnam Charity Walk, a walk for change. So 
that's the uh, the Facebook page. They're doing an unbelievable effort, um, Jakey and Sean. They're fully self-supported, walking from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, covering a distance of approximately 2,000 kilometres in 60 to 70 days, which is something that is friggin' unbelievable. And the weather they're dealing with while doing this trek is has been... You talk about inclement weather. One day that they're in a pissing down rain, the next day it's thirty five degrees and humid, and yeah, so it's an unbelievable uh, trek they're going on, and they're doing it all to raise money for a couple charities. Um, one of them is at you know they're both to help with kids, um, so the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation and the Tarn Lock Project. Um, so the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation is working with street kids, victims of human traffic, runaways, kids affected by drugs and HIV, homeless families and child prisoners. They work tirelessly to transform the lives of the kids in crisis. At, at the time of writing, Blue Dragon have impacted the lives of over 50,000 children and families rescued 1,300 from trafficking, re- reunited 736 runaways with their families, sent 6,208 kids back to school and transformed the lives of 2,000 children in Hanoi. Um, and there's also the Tan Lok Project based in Mekong Delta. They work to provide hope and education to one of the poorest regions of Vietnam through building of houses, schools, toilets, playgrounds and sort of all the infrastructure stuff. Um, so, that, yeah, they're doing this trek to raise money. They're, they're relying on donations. Um, and just a little insight on what sort of the money will help do. If every $1, $1 provides full day's meals for a child and, and one, another $1 brings a victim of human trafficking one kilometre closer to home, $15 feeds a family of four for a week, 28 to $70 provides a child with school education for a month, 120 reunites a street kid with their family, plus obviously much, much more. Um, and so, yeah, these are just two regular guys that are, you know, trekking themselves across Vietnam, Jake Norris and Sean Down. They're doing an unbelievable job. You're missing one crucial part about this trek, the footwear Jake's doing it in. Yeah, he's in uh, in some thongs most of the time. Yeah, they're decent thongs. Um, I, I don't know the brand off the top of my head that, but they're one of the supporters, I think. Um, yeah, but he even he even did a twenty four hour challenge. So on the thirtieth of December, he attempted to walk seventy to one hundred k's within with his backpack on over twenty four hours. So I think he got over seventy k's in that twenty four hour span. Um, unbelievable trek that they're going on, and um yeah they're doing some great things to raise some money for these uh child organizations and you know they're they're doing daily posts keeping everyone updated on what's going on they've actually got a giveaway going on at the moment um they've got a e-bike that was donated to them that they're doing a giveaway for so you can uh, get in on that if you donate um yeah they're think they're about halfway to their goal. Yeah, they're about there, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, yeah, so get behind uh, Jake Norris and the boys at the um, the Vietnam Charity Walk. So uh, amazing effort they're doing. So we'll get stuck into some 
local footy topics. And during the week, um, Masala Football Club out of the Victoria Amateur Football Association, based in, I think, Denning North, they're based. Uh, they were in Division 4 of VAFA, so what has now become the Division 3 due to the fact that they've restructured. Um, they put out a message on their social medias uh, informing that the club is unfortunately not going to field a seniors and reserves team this year, but they're going to uh, fall into the thirds competition of the VAFA. So, the, so this is what uh, the president wrote on the club's Facebook page. Uh, following what has been a tough off-season for the club, the Masala committee held a vote last night following weeks of communication with the VAFA determined the club should participate in the thirds competition in 2024. A unanimous vote was reached between the committee with the decision reached that will partake in Thursday's competition in the upcoming season. The committee has come to the decision to ensure our valued players can remain playing competitive and enjoyable football in the upcoming 2024 season. The decision to play in the third division is one that the committee also believes is vital to ensure the survival of the club. Um... And this goes on to thank the committee and the VAFA for being understanding and also to say that they uh, do have their eyes on returning to seniors and reserves football in 2025. Now, um, you were made part of a club that took this route oh, five years ago, went from divisional football into thirds um, and sort of ironically in exactly the same demographic area. Uh, what are your thoughts on this decision by Masao to drop from seniors and reserves into just thirds, mate? Yeah, I think it's it's good that the club has got behind whoever decided that that was the right thing to do for the club. Um, you know, as they've they've said here, that sort of you know some key figures, including players and coaches that they've lost over the last couple of years, it, it makes it hard. Like I said, we are from the same area, same demographic. Of I think Masala so. was. I don't think it's even seven minutes down the road. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's one of those weird things. We have so many clubs within. Walking distance or, you know, a quick drive distance to us that aren't even in the same league. But um, hopefully, you know, it, it turns out a bit better for them and they're able to get back to divisional football after just a, a year or two down in the thirds. But um, like they said, it, to, to get back to enjoying and playing some competitive football is probably what's, what's key for them and I, I wish them all the best with it. Hopefully... Um, it helps them grow back up and they can get some, you know, people in to replace those key figures they've lost over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's um, a good decision from Masala's standpoint and also from the VAFA standpoint. Obviously, we spoke uh, last week about VAFA having lost a couple of clubs out and they probably didn't want to lose another one. And the um, VAFA does have a pretty strong thirds competition. I think they've got about four divisions. I know that Chadston... At one point, was just a thirds team. Might still just be a thirds team out there. The now Narry South Saints was originally St. Francis Xavier. They just dropped down to a thirds team. And when I look at teams um, that have to make that decision to drop to a thirds, and I use it as our example when we dropped to a thirds, was you look at St. Francis Xavier. They went from struggling senior reserve outfit, dropped to the thirds. I think they had two seasons and just thirds. Won a premiership in their second season, built back up a player base and supporter base, went back to divisional football, won a flag, and then ended up actually shifting to probably potentially a stronger division in the league they went to. Um, so there's always a way out, but it's just finding that way out that can be hard because as you're fully aware, you can 
have all the intention the word to go back to senior reserves, but you get in that position, sometimes it's actually harder to dig yourself out of it. Yeah, I think it's, by the looks of it, the, the whole committee's on board, everyone's, uh, you know, supporting the move. And um, if you're all working together with a goal in mind and, and, and that goal is clear, then hopefully the right things can happen for them. And, you know, I think importantly for the players that are sticking by the club, it's that they get to have, play some competitive football. And like you said, the thirds in the VAFA is a multi-division competition. It's not just some... Um, uh, you know, rinky-dink comp where people just think that it's, you know, a bunch of has-beens or nobody's going to have a kick. It's a decent quality competition and, um, you know, it's not not going to not a walk in the park. They won't just go down and win a flag and it'll all be great. They'll, you know, it'll be a competitive football for them, but still a bit more enjoyable than trying to scrape together two teams every week. Yeah, exactly right. It becomes hard and it becomes extremely hard on the... Um I think what a lot of people forget is when you are in a club that is scraping players, excuse me, <coughs> for a, to get two teams up, the amount of pressure then heaped on the reserves coach to make the phone calls. I don't I think that sort of gets forgotten when a club's in that position. The amount of extra work reserves coach has to do, as we've seen, is is incredible. So, on the uh, topic of third, so the as we know, the Southern Football Netball League have a thirds competition um, that we have participated in previously, which is actually a very strong competition nowadays compared to where it started. Uh, well, two or three Mornington Peninsula League clubs um, have actually expressed interest in fielding standalone uh, sides in the thirds division in the southern. Uh, that's Edithville, Aspendale, who are in Division 2, Langwarren, who are in Division 1, and uh, Peasdale, who... It was the other, the third team to come forward and say they wouldn't mind doing it. That they are Division Two. Um, so Lang Warren won all three grades last year, the premierships in all three grades. Uh, EDS won the reserves flag. Um, and President Peter O'Connor from EDS Eagles went on to say in this uh, article with Leader Football that we won the reserves flag, and there were probably seven or eight who missed out, and a few missed out in our under-19s, they want to play footy for the jumper. We've tried to t- we've tr- tried them playing at other clubs and they just want to play at Edie. O'Connor said fielding a side in Southern League would provide EDS's overflow of players a chance to play a game each week. And it's structured in such a way they can play on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. They come back and watch their mates play and have a beer and that sort of thing, he said. Um, so first question for you is what are your thoughts on three clubs from a completely different league actually wanting to come and put in a team in a, in a rival league? It's, a, it's an interesting one. I think it, it can get a little bit messy with some of these things. I, like, the intentions I completely understand from the club's point of view. I completely agree with uh, what he said. You know, you got guys that want to play for the jumpers, still want to play for the club that might not be up to the standard that's required for a reserves or senior player, um, but just want to play with their mates and stuff. So I completely understand from a club point of view, let's keep them in the jumper, let's put in the thirds. And I think, you know, MPNFL probably in the long term would, would be looking at something like starting their own thirds if it, if it gets to too many teams. I think the, the tricky thing is going to another league and having these thirds teams where you've got clubs that have been in the, in the Southern forever that 
you know, continue to scrape together a thirds teams for years and, you know, you got some of those bottom teams that, you know, they might push up to Ford's finals and stuff for a little while, but evidently they're the same they're in the same position. They got guys that just want to play for Endeavour Hills or whoever it might be that they just want to play with their mates and have a game of footy and then all of a sudden they're coming up against blokes that are missing out on a Rezies game for a powerhouse MPNFL club. It could get a little sticky, you know. One of the a couple of issues I would find with it is one as you will be, you are fully aware. How often did a club put a third team in one year and weren't there the next? So, are we going to end up in a situation where the SFNL will bring clubs in after twelve months? They go, "Oh, it's not really worth it," and then all of a sudden, Southern are left scratching their heads trying to find more clubs to put in their division. Is you know, obviously, leagues are pretty uh, pretty strict on their apparel partners and stuff like that. Are they going to allow? Clubs to come in wearing different logos, different apparel partners. Um, and then what I would think, if you've already got three clubs saying they want to they get a thirds competition going, surely you can probably find, in a, I, think it's, I think it's 20 teams, around 20 teams in NPNFL, surely you can find another five clubs that can field a thirds competition, have an eight-team thirds competition in your own league. Yeah, that's the thing. If... Even if it happens this year and, and these teams go to Southern and do it, if they're successful at it, um, other MPNFL teams could think, oh, well, let's do the same thing. And then there you go. You've got your great teams and MPNFL goes, well, let's start our own. Um, so, yeah, it's like I hope I hope it all sort of works out and Southern probably, you know, they'll probably help these guys out as much as they can. Southern are very... For what we, we're aware of, Southern are very good at accommodating and helping clubs out yeah, when they can. Lee Hartman and the guys at at Southern have been nothing but great for us to work with in our time uh, in charge of the club and stuff. So, um, yeah, they just they just want to see good quality local footy happen, and, and they um, they don't they take the thirds comp serious. They don't, you know, it's not just something that's that's scraped together. You know. They try and put as much effort into it as they can as such. Um, but I, I'd hate to see it sort of get taken advantage of by by other clubs that sort of look at it as like a place to just make sure blokes are sticking around the club. But, you know, one week when they've only got 15 blokes, they have stuff that will forfeit. Um, and so, you know, it throws the competition out. If you've got a club that's willing to forfeit every few weeks if they can't be stuffed playing, it's sort of, you know... It does put out other clubs. Yeah, it becomes um, unfair. We had that issue at quite a couple of times playing thirds where you'd get to the back end of a season and the clubs that were all throughout the season always struggling to get the full numbers up where all of a sudden out of uh, finals contention, they're playing against clubs that are finals bound. Last few weeks, they just go, oh, well, you know, what's the point? But um, just to be clear, these they haven't actually put in formal applications yet. These are all from the last articles we've read. They've just sort of expressed a bit of interest within the club and sort of wouldn't mind doing it. They have until um, February, I believe, to actually submit a, um, I guess, an expression of interest or want yeah, to do it. I think, you know, it's, it is sort of the off time at the moment, so there's not a lot happening with leagues and stuff. But I think once 
everyone's back in the offices and, and business is starting to crack on again that you'll start seeing official applications launched and stuff. So. All right, so moving on from one league, <coughs> um, looking at accepting another league's clubs, we're actually going to talk about that league, the Mornington Peninsula Football Netball League, actually denying entry back in uh, August. It was back in August, so this is a bit dated, but... Uh, they denied the entry of Cranbourne, Karen Patterson Lakes, Frankston Dolphins, Nary Warren, and uh, South Mornington and Pakenham were all denied entry into the MPNFL. The six MPNFL eager clubs needed 75% of approval, which they didn't get. Um, and Nary Warren's president, Stuart Stevenson, uh, was fairly strong about what they thought... Um, their outcome was going to be and pretty disappointed not to get in like most clubs. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, the MPNFLs? Obviously, it's the clubs that have – the current MPNFL clubs that have sort of rejected it. What are your thoughts on uh, this? Because this is feels like it's on every year they're rejecting applications for clubs to try and come in. Yeah, I think how many times has Cranbourne tried to go across there now? There's three or four and Nary be the same, I reckon. Um, yeah, I think it's – I think the league's trying to do the right thing. They're trying to expand their league. And I think um, it's probably short-sighted by some of the clubs to to vote against new clubs coming in. I think, um, you know, league uh, CEOs and committees of leagues, you know, their whole concern is that whole league and, and expanding or, you know, bettering the league as a whole, where as, at a club point of view, you just want to win. And you just want to make finals and, you know, accepting a, a powerhouses like Cranny and Nary to the league are probably going to affect some of those powerhouse clubs more than anything. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a little bit of short-sightedness from a club point of view. Um, hopefully, you know, in the future, if some expansion does happen, it is voted on before they approach clubs because I don't know why you'd be approaching the clubs if you haven't. Yeah, we at least got it. We had heard from a, a source that we have that um, the MPNFL is actually uh, approaching clubs from multiple leagues to actually try and persuade them to put an application in. So the fact that um, other clubs are being rejected and some of these clubs are actually probably one, two, or well, two of these clubs are probably back bang same area as one of the clubs that we're aware of. So I do find it. Um, I do find it a little bit strange being the fact that if they had have actually accepted these six clubs, there's every possibility they could have actually expanded their league to six divisions, uh, sorry, to three divisions with six extra clubs coming in. Um, I, I get it from a club point of view, like you never really want more, better teams in there. But the fact that, you know, Cranbourne and Nary... Uh, and even Pakenham were originally part of the MPNFL structure back before they um, branched out into South East. I know that it was um, Casey Cadenia League, but you just, I just sort of don't really understand that side of things of why. <clears throat> and um, look, I could be wrong here, but I heard, I think it was oh, maybe two or three years ago when Cranbourne was trying to get in. One of the um, explanations that somebody gave was, oh, it's just a little too far away. Um, 
keeping in mind that Devon Meadows ran in the NFL and Devon Meadows would be no more than probably four minutes now from where Cranbourne play out of. But Cranbourne was too far. And the other funny thing about that was the club that I heard it was, Cranbourne's actually closer um, time travel-wise than some of the clubs are playing in the NFL anyway, down on the uh, like yeah. peninsula. Some of those things, it's weird. Like, like I, said, I don't think it has anything to do with travel, I think. When Cranbourne's been as good as Cranbourne has for so long, I think teams that are, um, you know, up there in in fighting for finals in their divisions are probably going, we don't want this club coming in. Yeah, and now you're the same. I, I also find it a little bit unfair on those clubs. Like, you know, like Nary, for example, they've been, I don't know how many grand finals they've made in the outer race in the last, since they've been there. I think it's pretty much almost every one of them. Yes, winning flags and winning games is brilliant. But at some point, you want to actually have yeah, a bit more competition. Like, you might have one or two good teams, but you want to find a competition where every week's an absolute grind. Where, at the moment, it just doesn't feel like they have that. Um, yeah, it's a bit of short-sightedness from the NPNFL, especially when you're trying to grow. I mean, obviously, probably Southern and Outer East uh, definitely won't be too upset about that, deci- that decision. decision they keep their clubs. Yeah, you know. Southern's only just accepted a couple of these clubs recently, so they'd be pretty annoyed to then lose them, uh, you know, a couple of years later. Which, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it probably highlights a bigger issue with local footy as a whole, where there is so many leagues that cross over each other within these short distances that, you know, there probably needs to be some better, um, I don't know workings of these leagues and, and you know, maybe a, a merger of some of them uh, that they, you know, some of these leagues merge together and, and create a super league with, with all of these teams, I think. And the other thing as well with um, maybe maybe not necessarily Nary and Packy being the fact that they play in leagues that have the netball attached, Cranbourne, Carrum, Frankston and South Mornington Probably all want to go out the country as well to have get netballers in a line. I did see something yesterday that because Cramp Southern obviously doesn't have any, um, a football netball combined on a day that Cranbourne have actually introduced netball back in. I'm not too sure what type of league it is, but sort of like a, a league for this area that has even a couple of clubs out in the Eastern Footy Netball League coming in. So, yeah, I just don't know. I also just don't know how long they can keep knocking back clubs for before it starts to get. A little bit old, but I do feel like it's probably a change of uh, change of people at the top that will bring about change in this type of situation. Yeah, like I said, it, it all comes down to the clubs. I think um, hopefully one day they'll they'll see the bigger picture of it all and and know that a, an expansion for the league is better for them as a whole. Um, yeah, Southern's only got bigger over the last, you know. Ten years now, it's probably accepted a few teams. Yeah, from the time that I started down there to where it's gotten to. When I started, it literally sort of just felt like it was this. I don't want to. I don't want to be rude, but it literally just sort of felt like this shitty chick kicker competition that just had the rough teams in it. Um, yeah, it had a bit of a bad rep. Yeah, it's probably the best way I put it. And in the fifteen years I've been there, gradually you've actually seen. The, the professionalism of the league actually pick up a lot and become very respect like much more respected than what it probably was fifteen years ago. Especially now when your your facilities are St Kilda facilities as well. Your your 
your headquarters, you're sharing facilities with an AFL team. Um, so they probably, you know, they work in together as well. They, you know, they're getting to play grand finals on on a a training ground for an AFL team, and and the league itself is is seeing what professional teams how they work and stuff. So it's probably increased the professionalism. I think Lee Hartman's been fantastic for the Southern League, and um, they've they've definitely. Yeah, a lot of good people doing a lot of good things at Southern. Um, so the next topic that we'll touch on, this is ba- is actually quite old, but this is actually quite, um, when I first read it, I was a little bit taken aback and a bit disappointed because I actually quite love this service. So Clutch TV uh, went into administration back in September. Uh, so an article from Matthew Elkerton uh, on the Herald Sun, in a bloated community sports across Australia, live streaming service Clutch TV has gone into administration. It is understood Clutch, which owed, um, which owned the Clutch TV brand, went into voluntary administration on September 25. Uh, the first meeting of creditors was on the October 6th. It is believed Clutch TV, which has the brand behind several sports streaming startups, including Live Hockey, Q Plus TV, and NetballAustralia.tv, have informed sporting partners that it will cease providing production for their events immediately. Now, this is. Um, very disappointing because quite a few leagues and clubs actually use Clutch TV, and I actually thought it was one of the probably one of the best services out there. I used to love, uh, especially during finals time, being able to sit at the back of my deck with a beer in hand and watch live local footy from all over Victoria. Um, so to hear this is actually pretty disappointing, and from what I read, they were quite a fair bit in debt. Yeah, it is, it is disappointing to hear, especially you know we're in the. The same space trying to trying to work work ourselves out, um, but yeah, they were they were a good service. Uh, I think it, some of the issues with these types of streaming services uh, are coming to the forefront, and even you know the big players like Ko are, are having issues with some of their set, you know the way they're able to deliver content and you know the price increases and all that sort of stuff. I think this. Uh, making it increasingly difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into this type of stuff and it's a lot of it is the the price of actually having um, servers that can hold all your product and websites that can that's why a lot of like uh, like a lot of clubs, a lot of leagues, sorry, like Southern use my game zone, I think it is. My stream zone. My stream zone. That's um a month, a charge on that because you've got to actually pay for it. It's disappointing because, yeah, like so many leagues used uh, Clutch TV to get their um, product out there, which in a way from somebody, I think a lot of the Clutch TV was like behind the scenes, like the score overlays and stuff like that. Um, obviously, always issues when you're live streaming sport, but it's just disappointing that now all these clubs that, and leagues that have invested heavily in the Clutch TV now can't do it and from what I read is that they knew they were in a bit of trouble and then kept uh, taking a fair bit of money after they sort of knew they were in trouble which is where they're going to probably find themselves in a bit of um, a bit of strife but it's disappointing obviously you know we know the uh, logistics and finances behind live streaming sport and when you're trying to put so many things on a certain on a platform um, it does become quite hard to still offer the same Services at the same cost for leagues and clubs, and also not a, not hurt your bottom bottom line. Yeah, I think 
a lot of people see services like Netflix and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Like, it costs you, what, 20 bucks a month for Netflix and you're getting all this A-grade Hollywood stuff and they think, well, how come it costs me $30 to stream some local footy? Well, because it costs a lot of money to, to do this and your, you know, Clutch TV might have a couple thousand subscribers if they're lucky where Netflix has got millions across the world. Um, so there's a lot... There's a lot of overheads that go into creating these services and, and maintaining, like you said, the servers and all this stuff to have this stuff streaming. It's and that's and you, and right there, you're not even taking into account the cost of paying somebody to be behind the camera, multiple cameras. They're running multiple cameras. If they're running multiple cameras, they're probably got a producer. They're running that, plus commentators and all that type of stuff. That that costs money. Yeah, and you like you think about there's how many games of AFL footy there are a week? Nine. There's nine games of footy a week. That's it, right? And that's how many millions of dollars mm. is is paid to Channel Seven and and Foxtel to to invest in that. And you know, yeah, they've got um, partners and sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But think about how much local sport it's getting played and trying to get some type of airtime and, and um, yeah, there's there's not, not enough sponsors and not enough people investing into it and helping out these services. So it's going to, yeah, people want to see it. The, you know, the handful of people that are involved in certain clubs will want to see their teams and stuff, but it does cost a lot of money and without the support to it, it's it's never going to work. Yeah, that's it. Well, we're going to just have to just cover one more topic just because what I was going to end this podcast on, I really don't want to do off the back of off of that discussion. Uh, so back in December, mate, uh, a massive recruit for local footy with uh, Shane Harvey, who was a North Heidelberg uh, legend of the club, played AFL level, um, had pinned his retirement, and he's since uh, backflipped and has signed with King Lake for 2024. So in this article from the Herald Sun by Ben Higgins back in December... Uh, the Northern League's greatest goal kicker is back. Shane Harvey's put his retirement on the back burner after signing with the N- Northern Football Netball League Division Three contender King Lake for 2024. The legendary forward announced his retirement mid-season before delivering one last extraordinary display for North Heidelberg. Harvey kicked 1,053 goals in 235 games for the Bulldogs, winning two premierships, a Rosebrook medal, seven league goal kicking awards, five club best and fairest, two coaches MVPs, a grand final medal and 11 team of the year honours. He made a brief appearance for Adderace Club at Linda Fernie Creek later in the season, kicking 21 goals in six games. Uh, that's During probably maybe March, we'll probably get stuck into the biggest recruits uh, in the off-season for clubs. But, mate, this is a big coup for uh, King Lake. Yeah, uh, unbelievable coup for King Lake. And, yeah, not only does it... Um bring Shane Harvey, but you know, his, his family will hopefully get involved as well. But um, man, it, anyone that's kicked over a 1,000 goals in 250-something games for a club, won a couple of flags and all the accolades he has, he must, he's an absolute gun, pl- gun local footy legend player. 21 goals in six games is... Yeah. Isn't is, no, and this isn't some massive six-foot-five full forward. You know, nah, this is a bike that he's, probably is not much bigger than me, and he's running around, tailing up these teams and kicking 
He's definitely a player that easily could have continued to play AFL level. He really put his uh, mind to it. But I know that he's loved down at North Heidelberg. I've actually been to North Heidelberg's rooms going back a few years ago now. We had a um, a wake there and uh, the club's very proud of the uh, the Harvey boys down there. And um, yeah, to win, you know, to have that many accolades of you know, pro medals, seven league goal kickings, five club best and fairest, 11 team of the year honours. Like it just goes to show the quality that King Lake is bringing in and also bringing in uh, into a lower division too. So Shane obviously at North Heidelberg and the upper divisions is now you know, dropped down to King Lake. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how King Lake go with uh, Shane Harvey there. Yeah, hopefully it works out good for him. And like I said, if anything, it's going to help bring some uh, support to the club as well. So, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's been yeah, a legend for North Heidelberg and he's, you know, well supported there. So hopefully King Lake gets the support that he's gathered yeah. along his career. So he'll join 2014 North, North Heidelberg Premiership teammates and new King Lake coach David Florence and Lee Gilbert at Memorial Oval. Uh, Harvey actually joins a stunning influx, influx of talent into the competition. The likes of Brent McAffer from Old Altham Collegians, Sam Gilmore, Old Paradians, Brett Marshall, Mernda, and Neville Jetta Fitzroy Stars will play in the NF, in the Northern's third tier. That's some of our big names running around in third division football. Anyway, mate, we'll probably wrap that up here. Before we do, I just want to... Uh, obviously, this is you know, from Halfback Digital Media. I just want to... Uh, it's been a pretty good off-season for the business. So one of the things that we do is the social media game week content management where we pretty much look after your entire game week content. Um, proud to announce that we've actually signed Mitchum Football Club to the family this year. So we'll be looking after all their game week content. And Gavin, the vice president from Mitchum, has been an absolute pleasure to deal with. He's uh, very upright, um, upfront and straight to the point, which I enjoy. We've also signed Barwon Heads Football Netball Club for 2024. Uh, new one, and also kept on board uh, AFL Masters New South Wales and Burnside Heights Football Club at the moment, and a few more in the works. Um, the other thing that we offer, mate, is uh, game filming. So we've got a special at the moment going for practice matches, a flat flat fee of $275 for your practice match. Um, we're also restructuring our pricing for uh, normal season filming, Um so flat rate of three hundred bucks, no matter where you are, three hundred dollars. Uh, live streaming, actually a couple of dollars on top of that. But we are are currently trying to source some business partners, which will hopefully get a handful on board, which we can then subsidise that live that extra fee for live streaming and give live streaming for the same price as game filming on a weekly basis. So if you're involved in a club that you want to get some game filming or practice matches or regular season just get in contact either at our socials at halfback digital media or shoot me an email at info at halfback digital and the same if you run a business that you want a bit of extra promotion uh, the business partners will get promotion on obviously the podcast you'll get promotion on here on our socials you'll have promotion on every game that goes out to our clubs um, across the season and obviously a, a fair bit of uh, promotion on our live stream Streams will be doing. Uh, so same thing. If you want to get involved or have a chat about that, just send an email to info at halfbackdigitalmedia.com or again, just shoot me a direct message on our socials at halfbackdigitalmedia. Uh, so unless you've got anything else you want to touch on, mate. I'll just add on to that. If, if you're 
some clubs might think that you know it's, you have to sign up for a whole season or you don't have to like when it comes to game filming and especially streaming if you've got a special occasion you've got a milestone match that's that's the time to get us down there to film it so it's you know either film it or you know live stream if you've got a um ladies day or a past players event or something like that where you're going to have everyone in the rooms for an event we can be live stream it straight to a tvs in the rooms while you're uh have your event going on and the match at the same time so yeah that's it yeah i think a lot of clubs do sort of think oh we're going to pay for a full so even the home guy we'll do clubs just home games we do one-off games here and there um last year we did fill up pretty quickly so I probably wouldn't drag your feet this year. We've already had confirmation from a few clubs that they will be be back. So yeah, get in contact um, if you want. Yeah, your club wants the media days for your social channels before the season starts. Uh, your club's thinking about heading into the the podcast um, zone like this. We can help produce and uh, lend hire hire of equipment. Um, and so, yeah, just anything digital media that your club needs. Uh, halfback digital media. I've got you sorted. We're built for community sport. So on that note, mate, we might wrap this episode up and uh, we'll see you next week. No worries.